There are uh, all kinds of options about life, Father. There are all kinds of things that are offered to us about the way we should live our life, the priorities that we should have for life. And over these three weeks, so the first one was last week, this is number two, so next week's number three, we are looking at the Jesus option. What we're doing is we're looking at the option Jesus offers to us about how to live, to respond to him and be part of his kingdom and have our lives changed by who he is and what he does in our lives. That's the Jesus option for life. So last week we looked at what is it, why should you choose it, and how do you choose it. So that's last week. So if you missed that, podcast and you can listen. This week we're going to look at how When you choose the Jesus option, when you become part of what Jesus called his kingdom, then you are drawn into a community. You become part of a network of people, a community of people, a community of people who will be involved in transforming your life and you transforming theirs. So let's pray as we come to look at that tonight. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Father, we thank you for what we've been singing about tonight, about your great love for us, about your almighty power and how you have come to us in the Lord Jesus, who has died for us to bring us life, and life in all its fullness. And Father, we pray that now by your Holy Spirit, you will work amongst us and work in our hearts. And so wherever we are in our spiritual journey tonight, Father, that you will open up our eyes to the wonder of who Jesus is and all that he's done for us. And help us to respond, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the iconic images of our culture is the lone hero. You see it in Westerns, don't you? This figure who appears from what we don't know where, mysterious, comes into the town where there's great trouble, and he overthrows, it's usually a he, I didn't write the script, overthrows the evil and then disappears off, the lone hero who changes everything. And I think there are a lot of people who think about Christianity in somewhat similar terms. Christianity is an individual thing. It's a personal thing. It's me and God, and then we go out from our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, and we go out into our workplace, we go out into the world, we go out into this dangerous context in which we live, and we stand alone for God. I think that's how a lot of people see Christianity personal relationship with God, and then making this stand alone for Jesus. And it's not entirely untrue. Christianity is intensely personal. It is is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, we are called sometimes to lonely experiences as we follow Jesus. But above all, Christianity is about becoming part of a community of people. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you become part of this group of people, this family of people 
in a network of relationships that's stronger even than death itself. And when you become part of this community that we call the local church, the community of Jesus, in that kind of community there should be no lonely people because we're all part of this community of Jesus. And there should be no irrelevant people and no unimportant people because we're all part of this community of followers of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do tonight is to have a look at what the Jesus option has to say about being part of the community that we call the local church. Thousands upon thousands of gatherings of people, some very small, some very large across the world, all of them part of this great community of people. Three things, three ways of describing the church. Three ways of describing this community. Number one, family. Number two, body. And number three, salt and light. And if you say that really quickly, it's just one. It's true. So family, body, salt and light. Let's have a look at the first one, family. When you become a follower of Jesus, you become part of the community of Jesus, and that means everybody is special. Everybody is special in this community because you're part of the family of Jesus. There's a wonderful incident. I'd like you to turn to it, please. It's in Mark chapter 3, and you'll find it on page 1004. Page 1004, Mark chapter 3. And we're going to pick it up mainly from verse 20 and... Actually, mainly verse 31, 32, 33. So page 1004. Jesus has started his ministry and he's doing extraordinary things and he's causing a stir. There are miracles that he's doing and his teaching is amazing and he's drawing all kinds of crowds. But there is a sense that things are getting out of control. He's upsetting people. He's doing extraordinary things and he's saying remarkable things and not everybody is happy. And that includes his family. Have you ever been in a situation where your family gets a little upset with you? They think you've stepped over the bonds of what you should be doing. Well, it's kind of like this with Jesus. And so in verse 21, it says his family hear what Jesus is doing. And so they go to fetch him because they say he's out of his mind. And it's clear there's a delegation that comes to find Jesus that includes his mother and his brothers. And uh, when they get to find him, Jesus is in this house and he's teaching And the message comes to Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they're looking for you. They've come for you. And Jesus says this extraordinary thing. Look at what he says when he's told that his mother and brothers have arrived in verse 32. His response in verse 33 is, who are my brother and mother? Just think about it. I don't know whether his mother overheard that. I don't know whether his brothers overheard it. But let me tell you, just in case you're thinking, that is not the way to impress your family. To say, who is my mother? 
If Mary had overheard, I don't think she would have been impressed. But then he makes it worse because he looks around the room and he says, You're my mother. You're my mother. You're my sister. You're my brother. Isn't that extraordinary? Whoever, verse 35, whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Whoever does God's will, in other words, whoever has put their trust in me, whoever is a follower of me, whoever has acknowledged me, who has taken the Jesus option and given their life to Jesus, he says, these are my brothers and sisters. Do you know what that means? It means if you're part of the family of Jesus, then it doesn't matter what your job is and how much money you earn or how little you earn or what other people think of you ultimately. It doesn't even matter ultimately about what you think about yourself because Jesus says you're part of my family. You're my mother. You're my brother. You're my sister. You belong to me and therefore you are special because you're my family. And you're important, in fact, so important that Jesus is saying, as we'll see if you follow through Mark's gospel and the other gospels, Jesus will give everything for his family. He will die for his family. That's how special we are. We're part of the family of Jesus. Everybody's special because they're part of the family of Jesus. So if you're part of the family of Jesus, then you're special. Jesus says you're special because he says you're my brother or my sister or my mother. You matter to me. And I will give my life for you. Everybody's special because they're part of the family of Jesus. Second one, body. Would you flick, please, to the passage that Nina read to us from Romans chapter 12. It's on page 1137. Page 1137. Here's the second thing. Everybody is important. Everybody is important because this community of Jesus is a body. Romans 12, verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You get a similar kind of thing in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul gives an extended version of this. He says, you know the body? Think about your body. There's a head and there are arms and there are feet and there are bits that you can see and there are bits that you think are important. There are bits that you think are really, really special. And then there are bits that mostly nobody sees unless they wear thongs or don't wear any shoes, you know, like your big toe. You don't think about your big toe, do you? Because it's so small until you damage your big toe. You see, it matters. It's part of the body. It has a function. A very special function. Every part of the body, even the parts you can't see. Sometimes especially the parts you can't see, 
like the heart matters. When you become a follower of Jesus, you become part of this community that's a body and therefore you are important. Other people may not think you're important because you don't have an important job in their view. Jesus says you're important because you're a part of my body and therefore you matter. You have a role to play as part of this community. You are needed. You are an integral part in the life of this body that's called the local church, the community of Jesus, the family of Jesus. So be encouraged and be part of that body. Everybody is important. You matter. You have a role to play. Everybody's special. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're special because you're part of the family of Jesus. And everybody's important because we're part of the body and therefore we all have a role to play as part of this body. And put those two together. What does that look like? Let me give you some practical outworkings of this. By the way, don't ever try to do the Christian life on your own. Don't ever do it. Why? Because we're part of a community. We are a family. We are a body. Christianity is about becoming part of this community. It's a corporate thing. So don't ever try to do the Christian life alone. It's not designed to be done on your own. Make sure that you keep meeting regularly with other Christians. Make sure you keep coming to gatherings of Christians in what we call church coming together to worship and hear God's word and those things that Tim was talking about at the beginning about why we gather together to encourage each other, to sing together, to lift one another up, to support one another, to hear God's word, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to eat food. Make sure you get some people around you. Go and drink coffee with a couple of people or more. Meet up with them once a week. Go and drink some decent coffee. Take a Bible and share your life with each other. Share God's word with one another. Share the Bible with each other. Talk about it. Talk about your life and support each other. Get into one another's lives. We need to do the Christian life together because we're part of the same family. We're part of a body Find somebody who's further on in the Christian life from you who will be a mentor to you. Uh, most of you know my son, our son, Jonathan, Johnny. As a guy who for a number of years has been a huge influence on him. He's about 10, 15 years older than Jonathan. And he took Jonathan some years ago under his wing and he's met up with him regularly over the years. He's prayed for him. He's read the Bible with him. He's encouraged him. Some of you older, more mature followers of Jesus, find somebody. Be a mentor to them. And if nobody comes to find you, you go and find them. He said, can we meet up? Can we talk? You're a bit further down the Christian life than I am, so please can we meet up and will you talk to me about Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus? Can we talk about the Bible together? Will you pray for me? Will you encourage me? Find a mentor. Make sure you're part of a group, one of our connect groups. That's what we have here, or the connect group that meets on Sunday afternoons. 
Make sure you're serving in some kind of way in the church, that you're using your gifts. Remember, we're a body. We all have a part to play. Remember, we're a family. In a family, everybody has to muck in at some point. Share your life with Christians, single people. You know, there is a single people, there, there is, and married people, there is a narrative, isn't it? It goes like this. Do really well at school so you get really good HSC marks so that you can go to university so you can get a really good degree so you can get a really good job so you can buy a house. You don't have to follow that narrative. Single people, why not just get together in a house? Have a community. And make sure it's an open community where it's not just your Christian friends, but it's open to other friends who don't know and love the Lord Jesus. And they see what you're like as followers of Jesus. Share your life together. Do life together. Married people. I'm not sure there are too many of us in this position here tonight, but uh, married people, think about how you can share your home with others. Show hospitality. It does not have to be MasterChef. Just be hospitable. For some of you, I would be really encouraging married people to be thinking about how they can have somebody to share their home. For, for many years in our married life, we've had a succession of people who have lived in the house with us. They, they've not lived for free. We've charged them for food and things like that. They've paid their way. But they've been part of our family to a greater or lesser degree. Sometimes it's not worked really well, I have to say. Sometimes it's driven me crazy. But for a lot of our life, as a married couple and then with children, we've had people who've lived in our house with us. Share your life with people. Everyone's special because we're part of the family of Jesus. Everyone is important because we're part of the body. Last one. The world needs us. Your friends need us, the community of Jesus, this body that is the people of Jesus. Your family, if they don't know and love the Lord Jesus, need us. The wider community needs us. The world needs us. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 and page 969. It's Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 is part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus uses a really, really important illustration. He uses two examples. He turns to the people who are listening to him. Verse 13 of chapter 5, he says, You are the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. And those yous are plural. You. This family of followers of Jesus, this body, this local church, you, plural. Not this lone hero figure, but us as the community of Jesus. Salt of the earth and the light of the world. Light has to do with clarity and hope and knowledge. You know, people will sometimes say, Things were so much clearer after she said that. Or he showed me a different way of thinking about things. Or 
they opened up for me a different way of thinking about life and a different way of living. You know, we have a message of hope for the world. The world needs us. We are the light of the world. In fact, we are the message. It should be there, lived out in us, this message of hope that God loves you. He loves us. He doesn't love you when you're all cleaned up and in your best. He doesn't love you just when you come to church and you're looking religious. He loves you. He loves the real you. And he wants to know you and for you to experience his love. And that's a love that will change us for the good. It will turn our life around. It will feel sometimes as if we've been turned upside down. But actually we're being turned right way up. And that's why we're the light of the world. The world needs that message and needs to see it embodied in us. We are the light of the world. And then we are the salt. I, I understand you can't live without salt. You grow sick if you don't have salt. Salt brings health. I know you can have too much of it. Don't go there. But salt brings healing and health. It restores, it preserves and protects. And Jesus says that's what we are. We're God's agents to bring change to the world, to make the world a better place, to bring healing and restoration and wholeness. Do you see those two things? We're the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. The world needs us. I came across an illustration recently which I, I, I thought was so helpful. Somebody said we should think about the church as being a field hospital. The thing about a field hospital, as far as I understand it, and I haven't consulted with our military expert, so I hope this is right. The thing about a field hospital is that it's set up pretty close to where the military action takes place. It's a mobile thing. If the action moves, then the field hospital moves. Church is like that. This community of Jesus Christ is meant to be a field hospital. We're meant to be there in those situations where people are suffering, where people are struggling, where people are in the dark, where people need the light of the message of Jesus and need the salt that we are to bring because we are the salt of the earth. That's what we're to be, salt and light. The world needs us. The need, world needs to see in us as a community what it means to be loved, what it means to be important and to matter, what it means when nobody is marginalized, what it means for people to know and experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. They need to see that and they need to experience it. They need to experience it as people will come into some of our 
meetings together, as they meet with us, as we impact the world, as we're involved in our communities, they need to experience that. Salt and light. So three things then. We're a family. You're part of the family of Jesus if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. And he says to you, you're my brother. It's not amazing. Jesus says, you're my brother, my sister, my mother. And so we're all special. And when we become a follower of Jesus, when we choose the Jesus option, we become part of a body, and therefore everybody's important. Jesus says you're important. And we join a community one of thousands upon thousands across the world, some of them very small, but each of them salt and light. And let me tell you, if you're out in the Middle East in the first century where there's no street lighting and there's no moon the night you're out and it goes dark and you're walking along and you're stumbling around in the dark, when you see that tiny little light, it means everything to you. And that's what we are to be. And that is what we are. We are the light of the world and sometimes being a Christian and being part of a Christian community, being part of the church, can feel so insignificant. It is not. The church is the hope of the world. This community of Jesus, this family of Jesus, this body, this group that's salt and light. We're God's agent to change the world. So why should you choose the Jesus option? Well, last week we looked at how there's no one like Jesus. Nobody. Here's the second reason. Because there is nothing like being part of the family of Jesus Christ. That's why. So choose the Jesus option. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done in Jesus. We thank you that we have this amazing privilege that Jesus says to us, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my mother. We thank you, Father, that we have this amazing privilege of being part of what you call the body of Jesus, that we all have a part to play in this extraordinary thing that you are doing in the world as your kingdom has broken in in the coming of Jesus and in his death and resurrection. Father, please lift our hearts. Please encourage us. And Father, please help us more and more to be salt and light in our dark world that so badly, desperately needs the healing that's to be found in Jesus. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.